0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ariel Martinez. Welcome to my podcast. Welcome everyone to episode number five of iFilmmaker. I'm very glad that we're already on our fifth episode and you guys are still giving us some positive feedback and I'm extremely excited about that. Definitely encourages me to continue on. Uh, with these uh, podcasts and episodes and just basically answering your questions, trying to help out the community as best as I know how. Anyway, so today we're going to have uh, a very kind of sort of laid back episode. I'm just going to simply be uh, answering your questions. And I don't have a specific topic to talk about today uh, because I'm, I'm actually working on something pretty special uh, as a series uh, with some other colleagues of mine that I work with. And that are doing really good things in the industry as well. So I want to put some of that stuff together and I kind of don't want to talk about topics that we're probably going to cover in that series. And so, like I said, today, we're just going to keep it laid back, keep it simple uh, and just answer your questions. But before I do that, I want to go ahead and remind you guys that tomorrow I'll be selecting the winner of the Zoom H4n Pro Recorder for the giveaway that I'm currently hosting on the film school Instagram page. If you don't know about this, uh, if you don't know about this giveaway yet, we're basically I've I've partnered up with Zoom Sound Labs and AVP Distributors on Instagram, and they're giving away two Zoom H4N Pro recorders uh, to two lucky winners. And the way that you can enter is by uh, following on Instagram Zoom Sound Lab AVP underscore distributors and arielmartinez.tv. I actually currently changed my handle on Instagram to arielmartinez.tv because that is my, uh, my website URL. And I just think it's easier for everyone to remember. So you have to follow us three zoom sound lab, AVP underscore distributors and arielmartinez.tv and you have to repost the image, tag three of your friends. The image, you can find it either on my Instagram or on the Film School Instagram. Just repost that image and use the hashtag uh, #AVPGiveaway giveaway for, to be entered for a chance to win. The reason for the hashtag is so that I can find you guys at the end, find and select two random winners of this giveaway. I'm sorry about this again, but we're only able to ship this item in the U.S., so... Um, but like i said before if you have a us contact and you're out of the na- and you're international um go ahead and use that us contact uh as an address we'll ship it there and and you can just grab it uh somehow get it shipped over to you wherever you are so anyways with that being said i want to go on, go ahead and uh start with these questions that we have today starting with our first question how important is it to use a color chart so i don't know how I mean I guess when you make it to the higher higher end productions I guess it's extremely important because details are going to be very specific. I only recently started using a color chart. I don't I never typically got heavy 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 on the color correcting and color grading. I just for the most part did it by eye and I just try to get the most natural look as I as I can possibly see um with the 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 image that I had when I was working with the red dragon, it was quite easy to get a very natural look. It's very, very simple. Um, no color chart needed, uh, but now when that I'm that, but that had a 16 um, bit rate color space. So that helped out a lot. Now that I'm working with much smaller color space, eight and 10 bit color space and 12 bit as well. When I shoot raw on the FS5, The red has basically spoiled me when it comes to coloring. So now that I started using the color chart, it it helps a lot in terms of trying to get that that perfect white balance uh, dialed in. It definitely helps out a lot, especially when in post-production when you're color grading, color correcting, etc. So a color chart is it's helpful. It's very, very helpful. How important is it? I'm not sure that it it, it is unless like your, your specific job title is like a colorist, then I would assume that you would take something like that extremely serious. That should be a, a very major part of your job to make sure that you're getting the right colors that you needed because that's exactly what you get paid to do. Uh, but in terms of, you know, having a color chart, Um, it's really up to you, really. Is it, if it's important for you and your work to, to make sure that you get the, the right coloring, the correct color. Uh, and then, you know, if you're going to grade, you know, to make sure that you maintain the right skin tones, you know, so things like that is what you should be asking. And if if the answer is yes to all of them, then yeah, it's extremely important that you have a color chart, uh, available to you when you're shooting. It's, it's just, you know, it, it just, again, it depends on you and your work. To me, I've never had a client come up to me and say, hey, the skin looks wrong or whatnot. You know, so um, I know that that's not a huge deal. I usually like to oftentimes add a nice cinematic look and feel to my to my videos. Uh, You know, I might go overboard every now and then. And my client would be like, "Okay, let's dial that back a little bit. But anyways, that's that's just me. I I like to have fun with my coloring. Um, But yeah, I, I use it. Just to make sure that I know I can get the good skin tones. Um, but I don't, it's not absolutely direly necessary for, at least for my work. Next question. What are some of the things you would tell yourself when you first started? When I first started, I simply had one thing in my mind that I would always think. how it, it ended, And that is how much I love doing videos. This is honestly, and and that's still the case today. So that's pretty much all I would tell myself. And so again, when I started just to remind you guys, I I I didn't say okay, I like making videos, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna make a business. When I started making videos, I was playing football in college and doing videos for my church. Not even like it wasn't even part-time or anything. I was just it's just voluntary ministry that I was doing videos for my church. I love doing them and it was so much fun so me and uh, another friend of mine we would do the videos for the church we would get together um and just start editing videos that we would get out of YouTube and then little soon after that we started shooting our own videos and it it was just fun and we did that I did that for about two two and a half years before another friend of mine said, "Hey man, why aren't you doing this for money and that's when you know it's basically all downhill from there. And when I started my business, what I would tell them, I mean, it it is quite difficult. It is exciting and difficult, nerve wracking at the same time, because when you're starting a business, just like starting anything, it's so much fun because you have fun picking the name, getting your logo, building your website, making flyers. It was it, it was very exciting at the time, but when everything was all done, you know, now what? Now I just sit and wait for calls or I guess to come out. And and, you know, a few things I did was I, I went around to local businesses and offered my services for free so that I can at least have some sort of portfolio. I I did use some of my church videos in my portfolio. But again, I was just trying to get busy. Basically, that, that, that's just it. And that's what I would recommend anyone to do when you start if you if and when you start a business. I would just say, just start getting busy. If you don't have work, make work for yourself to do. And when I really had nothing to do, I was done marketing myself. I was done um, making anything I needed to make. I would get busy continuing to learn, continuing to watch YouTube videos and practice what they did. Like I would practice lighting setups. I would practice audio setups. I would practice camera angles. I would practice a whole bunch of different things. Um, And it would get me excited learning new things. So anyways, uh, that's what I would always tell myself. I guess that's I guess that would be the steps that I took when I first started. How do you like the 4K workflow with the FS5? So when I shoot 4K in the FS5 is nothing is no different than shooting 4K um, with the A7S Mark II or the A6300. Um, The only difference is. It, it is kind of annoying that the, the, the files are MXF files, which is it's a drag because you if you're using a Mac like I do, I use VLC. Uh, I would have to use the VLC program to, to see those files as opposed to just regular QuickTime if they, were, if they were MP4 or MOV files. But because they're MXF files, I'm not even able to see the thumbnail of the clips. So it kind of I'm just kind of guessing here if I want to see the clips or not. And it w- if I double click on a clip, it'll open up VLC and it kind of I guess it it renders to see the clip. And it is quite annoying. But aside from that, the workflow is pretty much the same exact thing. Um, and that actually brings us uh, to the next question and that question actually brings us to the next question, which says, uh, I guess I'd like to know what's your work workflow post shooting like best way to import your footage. I use Premiere shoot with the 5D and wondered if there was also if I should always convert my footage to Apple ProRes. I don't think you should have to always convert your footage to Apple ProRes. I never did any kinds of conversion before. I started editing. I always edited and always exported it in whatever format I was uh, delivering my project. Um, but converting files to a higher uh, codec before editing, I feel would add a lot of uh, processing power that your computer is going to have to need to, to make sure that you get those edits done. Um, I always edit my, my, my files as they are. I actually I don't even use proxies. Um, I don't think I have to, but I always edit them as they are and um, and export on the codec or 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 format that I that I want to deliver in. You know I, I use Premiere as well, and Premiere gives you a ton of different options when you're exporting, um, <clears throat> when you're exporting your 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 work. I, I'm able to export extremely low resolution files so that I can put into Dropbox and deliver to my clients so that they can just see a, a draft. And that's how I deliver my, my proof, my, my, my work for proofing. And once the, everything has been confirmed and approved, I go ahead and export a ProRes final version, a 4.2.2 final version. And, and, and that's pretty much it. I don't do anything too different than that. Next question, do you always need to storyboard and script for short films around 4 minutes? I don't think that I don't think that it's a rule that you have to absolutely do a storyboard for anything, even if it's an hour. It's not a rule. However, I definitely understand why they would really push you to do something like that. It's it's more for organization and to have a good Feel and 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 basically as as a director if you're directing a film for example and you have a whole crew that that you're managing it's much easier for you to communicate what your your vision is for this film if you have a storyboard so that's really the the purpose of a storyboard so that you can one keep yourself organized and and basically refer back to your storyboard whenever you got to see what your next shot is and to communicate what your vision for this film is to your cast and your crew and your DP, for sure needs to know that stuff. Um, they need to know see what you're seeing so that, and, and it just makes a much it makes for a more easier workflow. Um, do you need it? No. Does it make life easier? Yes, it does by a lot, a lot. And I and I've done storyboarding. I've done. I've done shot lists and storyboards, mostly shot lists because again, I'm usually a one man band. I don't have to communicate what I'm seeing to other people, but I do make a shot list for myself to keep myself organized. When I know that the project is extremely important or the project is very big, I do use the shot list storyboarding. I don't, not so much. I've done maybe three or four storyboards in my entire career, but, and they have helped me so much to make sure that, that that I stay organized in my work while I'm shooting um, so that I'm not lost. And, you know, I'm in post-production and I just, I forget about a shot that I was planning, you know, and that's something that you don't want to go through. So that's the purpose of storyboarding. Um, and again, remember all these questions, everything that I say is really subject to how I work, but every question here, there is no right or wrong way to do these things. There's just mainly understanding the reason behind it and seeing if that basically pertains to you so for the example of storyboarding i don't you know i don't storyboard too much but i do make a shot list and you know because i i only need to communicate that to myself i need myself to stay organized so that's why i don't do storyboarding too much i don't have too many people to communicate what my vision is for my for my shoots and so if, if that's not you, if you're the one that works with a lot of people, then yes, I would recommend you do a storyboard if also if you have that much time um, to, to work on the pre-production uh, part of your project. So, yeah, understanding storyboarding, and uh, I, I think you can answer that question yourself. So do you need it? No. Does it help? Yes. That's my response. Next question. Should I go to a regular school to learn how to operate a camera or go to an actual film school to learn to operate a camera? I don't think that, again, I didn't go to film school to do any of what I do. I don't. I, I mean, I'm sure I'm doing things the way someone that did go to film school would never do because that's not what they taught them at film school. Um, and I'm actually glad I took that route because I do my work the way that I do my work. And, you know, if there's an easier way and I find out about it, fine. If, if it makes my job easier, for sure, I'll definitely take that route. But I don't think you have to go to school. To learn how to operate to learn how to operate a camera just operate the camera um, learn the settings learn how to hold the camera learn the differences between movements learn what each angle and each direction and each movement represents um, and, and and I think you'll be fine and again if you can go to film school great if you can afford that fine do it uh, but it's not it's information that you I, I, I know that you can also find online and you really don't need. Uh, film school um, to, uh, you know, especially for something as specific as operating a camera, I don't think, I don't, I'm not sure that it's even worth going to film school just to learn how to operate a camera. I think you can just operate a camera and if you're doing it wrong, you'll see it in your shot. If your shots are not looking like the shots that you, that you're trying to get, you know, you can always adjust yourself according. And that's basically my answer to that. Next question: Is there any online community of filmmakers on which we can post our work? I think there's a lot of online communities of filmmakers. Um, I I know that you know on Facebook I uh, I'm a part of one that's called Down to Film. Uh, I know there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of good filmmakers that that collaborate on that and that post their work there and. You know, it, it's uh, it, there's a group uh, administrator that has to approve all the posts. But for the most part, he's never like, at least for me, he's never denied any of my work. Um, I'm sure you guys can go and check that out on Facebook down to film. but And just like that, I'm sure there are many other community uh, group groups on Facebook, which I think is the best place for groupings like that. Instagram or any other platform doesn't really have groupings like that. So um, I think that's a great place to put it. In addition to that, I think, uh, you know, YouTube and, and, and Vimeo are good places to to showcase your work uh, nowadays with so much like uh, availability to to have online engagement. Um, there's really no reason why you should not be putting your your stuff out there uh, for other people to see. Going from university to freelance work, which camera would you want by your side? Uh, knowing what I know now, I would have to stick with the Sony FS5. Uh, the reason why, I mean, I I think that's a perfect, perfect all around camera. I have absolutely everything I need in that camera. Um, it doesn't, you know, I don't have the, the luxuries of having the high dynamic range and, and crazy amount of color space in 16 bit, like the red and, uh, the, the, uh, area Alexa or Alexa mini has, but I do have the versatility of having a, a much lighter camera built in internal NDs. I got my XLR inputs. Um, I, you know, I have everything that a video camera should have. And I think that's a perfect, uh, camera to, to basically, you know, to start off with it uh, again. And it also comes down to, to what you like to shoot, but I think that's a perfect all-around camera. It's a good mid-range camera from, you know, if you want to step into the video camera game, which, like, that's what I was I had made that move when I was shooting a lot on the A6300, the A7S Mark II. Um, I love those cameras, and I still continue to use them. However, I needed, you know, something that gave me a lot more features uh, without having to break the bank. And so with the FS5, I'm able to go from anywhere to regular... 1080p video to fully uncompressed uh 4k raw at 12 bit and i think that's a great range um i mean the way that i would have to get that is obviously by getting the the odyssey 7q plus which is an extra two thousand dollars and then with the raw upgrade bundle upgrade it was another extra thousand dollars so basically another three thousand dollars i was able to get the odyssey 7q plus now if you can you if you had the fs7 however you would have to get all of what i just mentioned in addition to the extension unit that is another two thousand dollars and the v-lock batteries that are about three hundred dollars each and the chargers for the v-lock batteries which is another 250 300 bucks um so you're well at like twelve thousand dollars with the fs7 as opposed to the FS5 which would be like a 8000 if you want that raw but if you don't the four, the internal 4K is great it does have 1080p at 10-bit color space which is awesome as well and I've done videos and they came out great with that with uh shooting in those formats and I just think it's a great all-around camera it's a great camera to to basically get a bunch of your your work done you'd rarely need anything else unless you're looking for Uh, you know, that 4k raw slow motion, and that's a completely different story, but I think that's a great all around camera. How do you get work? So the way that I get work is simply just, again, when I started, just put yourself out there and I, and that's basically the concept that I still continue to follow. Um, I put myself in directories, the ones that work production hub, um, is a really good one, uh, that works. Um, people have found me on Yelp as well, but I don't find, I don't, uh, I don't pay for Yelp. I, you know, and and that's basically how they find me. They go directly to my website, they Google me. Do you have instructional videos on YouTube? Yes, I have instructional videos on my YouTube page. Uh again, the reason I started this podcast is because those instructional videos were were becoming quite a bit of work for me to do. Um it was hard for me to maintain those uh, instructional videos and continue with my professional work. Um, so that's why I started this podcast so that I didn't have to do as many of those instructional videos and I can still put out educational content like this for you guys as frequently as I wanted to do it without having to actually take so much time out of my uh busy schedule. A7S Mark II or A7R Mark II? Uh, Again, that that goes back to everything else I've always said. It depends on you. I know that A7S is a beast in low light. A7R is a beast at taking pictures. So if you're you're a stills photographer, uh, go A7R. If you're more for video, go A7S. Uh, They do have a, a couple of differences. A7S, like as I mentioned, A7S Mark II is a beast in low light and goes up to 120 frames at 1080p continuous shooting. Uh, the A7R, on the other hand, actually only goes up to uh, 60 frames at 1080p. Once you hit 120, it goes down to 720p. So consider that as well. So um, again, it's A7R2 is for pictures. A7S2 is for, for videos. And that's pretty much it. And last question. I have an idea for a short film, but I'm not good at writing and developing the idea. Is there anything I can do? Huh. What I would suggest for this is if you have the idea, bring it up to a couple of friends that you have that are also interested in film. Um, see what they think, get their feedback, and maybe you guys can collaborate on this film together and possibly make a really nice short film. And I, I think that that would be the best route to go. I know that there's always people that are interested in doing uh, short film projects. And if not, again, go online, see who's available, see you know, start meeting people in the community And, uh, and, uh, you know, get yourself connected. So what I, what I would, uh, yeah, I would recommend that you, you take that route and you do that and maybe you guys can come out with something real nice. And this brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you all for listening. Once again, I do appreciate all your feedback and you can go ahead and leave more of your feedback. If you're listening, listening to this right on my website, arielmartinez.tv. Right down below, you can go ahead and leave any comments or questions that you may have. Go ahead and like it right on my website. Subscribe to it to see what everyone else is saying. Uh, And also, don't forget that we're still doing the giveaway tomorrow. I'll be selecting both winners of the Zoom H4N Pro, courtesy of Zoom Sound Lab and AVP Distributors. Uh, Once again, those rules are you must be following on Instagram, Zoom Sound Lab. Uh, avp underscore in- distributors and ariel Martinez.TV. also repost the image and tag three of your friends uh and final final step is to use the hashtag avp giveaway and that'll be used so that i can find you and 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 possibly select you as the winner so with that being said uh thank you guys for listening once again and i will catch you on the next one